We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 29th, and final edition of the Rotoware NFL free agent version of the podcast. Week 16 championship weeks is in the books. Hopefully, you are not in a league that is in a championship week 17, but if you are, we got you covered. I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. Join alongside me, as always, as we've done almost the entire year. Jake Latarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. You know what? It's been a crazy season. Uh, this is my birthday, so we're doing a birthday podcast yes. on top of the birthday championship. boy. We're going to go ahead. Did you get and give... any championships for your birthday yes. week? That's a yes, yeah. two. All two. Right. I won two for four. Two for four. Nice, nice. I won our NFL, our staff dynasty league, yep. the inaugural season, and I'm still clawing, clawing in stake league. So I'm going to definitely be using some of these pickups this week. Unfortunately, I, I put up 155 last week, <laughs> and uh, I think I passed Mario actually to get to sneak into uh, the last buyer spot. Okay. So I got to catch Herber Aaron this week. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I put up 80 points in the stake league finals. Oh. So not only did I just completely lose, I also now have put myself firmly in the middle of the pack if I have another bad week like that. Uh, yep. It could be bad news for me in week 17, but I still feel pretty good. But yeah, two of the four championships. Uh, Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs did a great job in helping me in one. Unfortunately, I was facing Josh Allen in the league. I had Stefan Diggs, so that basically mm-hmm. canceled out. Uh, but it was a good season all around. We're going to break down some of the fantasy award winners for free agent pickups. We're also going to do our first 2021 mock draft, 12-team half-point PPR towards the end of the show, which I'm excited to do. Uh, but first, we've got to talk about how the Patriots dynasty has officially ended yes. uh, with the Bills now winning two consecutive games against their division rival. RIP to the New England Patriots dynasty. This is glorious. I think every football fan wants this. Every team, in one way or another, has been wronged or hurt by the Patriots. The Patriots have cheated their way to a bi- you know a bunch of titles. <laughs> um, you, know, you can put a bingo card with all their violations on it, but uh, finally it's over. 
over, and we get to see them get stomped on. Um, and, you know, they won a little, few too many games this this year to really be ever in the, sniffing the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. I thought this was going to be a case at the beginning of the year where, like, how's Belichick going to game the system, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to have everybody sit out, then they're going to only win one game, then they're going to end up with tra- Trevor Lawrence and the dynasty will continue. Of course, that was wrong. Uh, but all the credit to the Bills, man. Josh Allen looking like a top fantasy quarterback. Stephon Diggs, we're doing our mock draft um, later in the show, and I don't think I could quite put him in my top 12 overall for next year. But, man, you really have to think about it, and he's looking like a second-round fantasy pick for sure. I, he actually might be a first-round pick for me. I don't want to spoil it, but he might gotcha. he might be up there at that point. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. He's been fantastic. Obviously, leads the NFL in receiving or receptions right now. Uh, the touchdowns have been insane, too, for him, given what we've seen in the, in the past. But Josh Allen has kind of made Stephon Diggs into what we have seen now from this season fantasy-wise. And it's, it's a glorious thing. Like you said, it's a glorious thing. The other part I want to talk about, is Cam Newton a starting NFL quarterback in 2021? Because it's been like four years now of him actually being good, and I've been telling everybody under the sun this offseason, I don't think Cam Newton is very good. I don't, I'm not I'm not convinced on yet. Here I took him in a best ball league uh, and has completely sunk my chance at the top prize. But I, I just like this was a bad performance, and mm-hmm. I think Jared Stidham almost is guaranteed to start next week in a meaningless game for the Patriots. Yeah, Newton will end up starting somewhere you know, next season. That will be my prediction. Um, however, he will not be drafted in the top 24 fantasy quarterbacks, and that's really what we're, you know, we kind of got our eyes on. He'll be a, a streaming option at best with rushing upside, but um, outside of two quarterback leagues, there's no reason to touch him in a fantasy format. He just doesn't look like he can throw the ball. Obviously, he can still be mm-hmm. the runner. We know he's the, the bludgeoning ram that he is at the goal line. But as a quarterback, I just don't know if I see it anymore with Cam Newton. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting, of course, uh, probably conversation we can have in July or August when we are going back to this. But this is the Waiver Wire Show, the final Waiver Wire Show of the Rotowire NFL season. So with that, let's probably touch on a few of these uh, positions. Running back actually is surprisingly deep. It's the first mm-hmm. time it feels like in 10 weeks now where we've had a yeah. deep selection of running backs available. Yeah, there are definitely, if you're playing this week, week 17, which really uh, we both have stake league and that's really all we have going. I'm absolutely putting bids out on, uh, you know, I mean, to start, we got to start with the Packers, right? A.J. Dillon uh, coming through. I mean, Jamal Williams missed this game with a quad injury. Aaron Jones doesn't have an official injury designation. You'll want to look at his practice report, but he did leave with the game with a hip injury. Then later return i mean the packers do have to play for seeding in week 17 mm-hmm. so you know if these guys are healthy i imagine they're gonna go but it also seems like they're they can get by pretty fine with aj Dillon, who 124 yards two touchdowns uh, at eight percent rostered on yahoo i mean people have pretty much cut bait with him he was like a like your last pick in the draft or yeah. late in the year you know just in case just in case aaron jones t- turned out to be a stud in the contract year um but A.J. Dillon, man, he's someone I'm looking for. He's unfortunately already picked up in keeper and dynasty leagues, of course, usually, but it's still worth typing the name in just in case. But at 8%, he's someone that can be useful in week 17. Yeah, and a couple of the pseudo-dynasty keeper leagues I do, I had to drop him just because he was a net negative on the roster. Mm-hmm. But we knew what the potential could be. Well, we unfortunately for me, but fortunately for yeah. Packer fans and just everybody out there, got to see what that potential looked yep. like in a, in a snowy game at Lambeau mm-hmm. Field. And even though he had an excellent game, I think he can actually be better. You know, there, there's a couple things that I watched. Uh, to me, I think there's some vision that needs to develop. He hits that hole pretty quickly and gets right into his guy. Sometimes I think maybe taking a half a step of uh, patience to watching the play develop a little bit more and have that have that vision grow. You know, if he gets that component to this game, then he could be very well a, a complete back. And the Packers have a lot of decisions to make next year uh, in terms of free agency. You know, you'd like to see him re-sign Aaron Jones, but, you know, the running backs don't matter. Crowd's going to jump in there and, yeah. and Jones will will demand a con or you know he, he, higher he will contract, warrant yeah. a much higher contract whereas dylan you know you got him on a rookie deal here next to nothing so williams too williams's mm-hmm. contract is up as well i'm hoping williams just ends, ends up being a compensatory pick for the texans or something i don't know like he just yeah. some, somebody might sign him to mm-hmm. some sort of yeah i mean he's it. fine you, well, you miss the dynamic explosiveness of aaron jones of course but uh they'll get they'll be just fine at the position if aaron jones does walk and you know that, that's a reason to see aj dylan definitely bumping his way up dynasty lists and even with a healthy aj aaron jones i think he finds a role in the playoffs too he caught passes and the pass protection looked good those were the mm-hmm. two areas that were the net negatives or what yep. we, we thought were bad news for dylan uh and he was able to do that mm-hmm. and the fact that he was the bigger strong back and made Derrick Henry look obsolete in a primetime matchup such as that one, that's a that's a good news type of deal. I actually think that 
a guy like Dare Gumbawale, here we are at the Madison office, but uh, a Wisconsin Badger, Dare Gumbawale, who stepped in with James Robinson out with the ankle injury, might be the top pickup this week if you do need to start a running back. He had 14 carries for 71 yards, also caught three passes for minimal yards. Yes, Mike Lennon is the starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and yes, they are playing mm-hmm. the Colts defense to end the season. But if you're getting 16 to 18 touches, I think you almost have to be by default the number one pickup, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you can make a case for that, but uh, I will take a guy who's possibly going to get that much on on a slightly better team. Well, I guess we don't know week 17. I'm going to head over to Malcolm Brown at 19% rostered. We've got both Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson uh, tending to high ankle sprains this week here. Now, the quarterback situation, I know we kind of started with running backs instead of quarterbacks. We're going to have John Wolford stepping in for Jared Goff. Jared Goff had thumb surgery. This is what I believe is a must-win game for the Rams' playoff seeding, so the Rams are going to have to play. Um, How that's going to affect the running game, I don't know, but um, you know, John Wolford is really any worse than Mike Lennon, you know, in this situation here. So, uh, um, we'll, we'll, we'll throw that out there and, and take Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown, I would rank, ooh, maybe as the, I mean, did we agree AJ Dillon's the number one pickup or did we just no, want to have I, a little? I, I would rather have Malcolm Brown. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think Dillon plays that much of a factor next week against the Bears so long as Williams is healthy. And even if yep. Williams misses time, I think you're putting Aaron Jones out there as much as you can mm-hmm. to put away our division rival, make sure they don't make the playoffs, and clinch the number one seed. There is a lot on the line for the Packers, and I don't mm-hmm. think you want to chance it with the rookie, despite how great he played. Could a heroic Mitch Trubisky game actually pay more dividends down the road if you're a Packer fan? Well, I was thinking about that, too. I was. What if I, Mitch Trubisky goes out there, just balls out, <laughs> has five touchdowns, and takes him to the playoffs? You know, we can crush him in the playoffs the next week, right. but— you know, maybe that pays more dividends as a Packer I, I thought fan. about I that as know. well. If if Trubisky gets the Bears to the playoffs, does that mean he is guaranteed another year? And if he is guaranteed another year, does that help out Packers fans? And to me, it's like, yes, give me mm-hmm. every every bit of Trubisky you possibly can. Yeah. I just don't see it happening. No one will be ever be as great as Jay Cutler, but no. you know, you, you I, can't I guess we beat that. I mean, he he was the second he was the third best quarterback in the Packers history, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, Bart exactly. Starr and Jay Cutler are competing for that role. All right. So the guys that we know are starters then to get back on track, Malcolm Brown, Dario Gumbawale, I got you. Then AJ Dillon gets in. In there um, now, Samaje Pirine he has got to compete with uh, Gio Bernard a little bit, but uh, I mean, 13 carries for 95 yards and two touchdowns this week. Tough, tough matchup against the Ravens in Week 17, so that's the only question mark. But uh, that Bengals attack looked pretty, pretty solid it's against the, the Texans. Texans. It's the Texans defense, though, and the Texans defense has now surpassed the Raiders defense in terms of oh, this is a sieve. Wow, watch all this stuff go through it. Um, I, I know JJ Watt gave that inspirational speech. But the fact of the matter is you let Brandon Allen throw from four, almost 400 yards against you. Samaj P. Ryan went off. No, I, I think I think Samaj P. Ryan, I'm not even playing him uh, if I really do need it. Like I think mm-hmm. we talked about Dylan, Malcolm Brown, Dari Gubawale. I'd even consider Darrell Williams, who we'll get to in just a second as well, if Le'Veon Bell is kind of uh, not doing his thing. I, I just uh, – it's a concern for me because the Ravens defense, they are, of course, playing for something for playoff hopes. And I don't think the Bengals can be all that effective with Brandon Allen once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that that's fair enough. I'll, I'll throw that out there here. Uh, but Darrell Williams, though, you brought up an interesting point. Everyone thought it was going to be Le'Veon Bell, but what we really saw was, uh, you know, perhaps more of a split there uh, in uh, in Kansas City. I'm, I'm looking, of course, getting to the uh, the hidden stat line column, which is the key to all of our backfield breakdown. Darrell Williams actually had 70% of the snap share to 30% for Le'Veon Bell, which jumps out quite a bit. 10 carries, the 7 carries, and of course, the, the place where you think Le'Veon Bell might be more effective in the passing game. Williams had six targets compared to uh, only three for Le'Veon right. Bell. So twice the target share, almost three times the route, the number of routes run. I mean, uh, Daryl Williams is this guy when Edwards Hilaire is down. Well, and here's the factor that we also have to consider. Is Le'Veon Bell the technical starter? And I put it in quotes with Le'Veon Bell or or is Le'Veon Bell the starter? Because the Chiefs are more than likely going to be benching their starters. They've already clinched the number one seed in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Mahomes and company are going to be out. Now, does that does that affect the Chiefs' offense? Yes, it should. But I still think they can move the ball well enough. And if you say Darrell Williams is the Chiefs running back, gets 20, 25 touches, that immediately vaults him up to number one contention. But we don't mm-hmm. quite know. Based off of Andy Reid's history with the Eagles, 
He has previously benched most, most of his starters when he's in this position. So we're mm-hmm. assuming that's going to be the case with the Chiefs, but it has not been confirmed yet. Yeah, it, it's a real tricky situation there. So, you know, like a lot of these, you're going to have to follow the practice reports and any other reports that you get from Rotowire throughout the week. But, uh, you know, if this were a situation like, you know, if last week was week 10 and we were heading into week 11, we'd be Darrell Williams, you know, go get him because uh, he played 20 of 24 snaps in the last four drives of the games. And uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't play, you know, over the whole last 25 minutes of the game. So, uh, you know, we have a guy there. It's just going to depend on how Andy Reid shakes things out. And, you know, maybe that makes it a situation to avoid unless you get something more concrete there. Another one that kind of uh, sprung up due to injury, Keyshawn Vaughn. Finally, Keyshawn Vaughn Mm -hmm. uh, managers at the beginning of the year are just doing circles in their last place team taking my best ball leagues from 11th place to 10th place <laughs> yes ronald jones out got 15 carries for the bucks now part of that was game script likely because the buccaneers are up by 40 mm-hmm. in the second half to start the second half tom brady already wasn't playing i mean like there there is that factor uh i i think Keyshawn vaughn probably ends up being the guy over leonard fournette who really has been mm-hmm. I mean, bad. I mean, he has been a bad starting running back for the Buccaneers. He's done some things well, but he has struggled in that role. And with Ronald Jones out, I could see Vaughn getting more opportunities. Now, the Bucs also have things to play for, and we don't quite know if Ronald Jones will come off the COVID-19 list. He also had that surgery to his finger, which uh, complicated matters and made him miss the last two weeks. Mm There's there's a lot of moving pieces with Keyshawn Vaughn, but I like Keyshawn Vaughn more than Asmaje P. Ryan, who obviously went off. Uh, mm-hmm. I might even like him more than A.J. Dillon as well, provided Jamal Williams is playing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way that this looks, I mean, uh, Fournette got the start, played, you know, Jerry says 84% of the snaps in the first quarter, and then played 6 of 24 snaps in the second quarter, and only 3 snaps after halftime. So uh, it looks like we have, you know, Vaughn kind of taking this job, 15 carries, to nine carries, you know, Fournette had a few more targets, a few more routes, but you know, if the, if that pattern continues, you know, then we might have something here, and I think he could bump up the list. I would be willing to bet he'll get picked up in our fourteen-team stake league this week. Uh, and then Gus Edwards, who I mean, for most people, was probably rostered already. I, mm-hmm. I played in most leagues where he was picked up, but J.K. Dobbins left the game, did come back. Gus Edwards has been super productive, even splitting time with Dobbins. I, I I like it's it's fine like definitely play Gus Edwards I like Gus Edwards more than Malcolm Brown even with uh, mm-hmm. Acres and Henderson out I just don't know if yeah. uh, if Gus Edwards is actually available yeah that Cincinnati matchup you know Gus Edwards I think I pegged him at about forty percent rostered and that Cincinnati matchup is super juicy for opposing running backs so I would agree you know if, if Gus Edwards is floating around out there and you do need a back um, you know the Bengals are twenty second in terms of you know allowing nineteen point four fantasy points per game to opposing running backs in standard format yeah I, I had to throw him on there because he didn't quite meet our 50 percent threshold all right ranking these running backs it's gus edwards if he's available then malcolm brown Dare gumbawale maybe even daryl williams and Keyshawn vaughn then p ryan dylan for me but i know you have dylan a little bit yeah, higher on i put dylan ahead of p ryan i guess i don't know just because i i, I don't think we envision the the same aaron jones heavy usage thing here you know they'll give him a good a good chunk of snaps but I think the playoffs are more important than week 17 even with the home field on the line it's like you know the Packers there's that mystique at Lambeau Field you know where they want to be playing in the snow and and make it a hard place to come but is it better almost better for the offense to you know go somewhere with a little bit more favorable conditions there's no home field advantage this year in the playoffs it doesn't really matter that much right if there's not going to be a crowd or if even if some of these places at a quarter capacity there's not really a crowd you know it doesn't matter where you play. You know, Rodgers can dictate the offense, and this applies to anyone. You know, any of these brilliant quarterbacks like Mahomes, you know, home field advantage does not matter as much as it should this year. So, But I would argue because home field, matter, uh, home field doesn't matter as much this year, having a place that will likely have weather conditions affect the game regardless if it is snowing mm-hmm. or if it just is cold is more consequential than – uh, the Superdome, right, with the, the Saints, or uh, going to uh, Raymond Field, whatever it is for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, it's a little bit warm there, but it's not going to be too yeah. warm. Like, I every other place feels like mm-hmm. a, a pretty even field. Lambeau Field, yeah. regardless of the crowd, but Lambeau Field, the weather, everything else that comes with that, mm-hmm. I feel like does have more of an advantage because there is such little advantage mm-hmm. over us. I would just, I would again counter that on a team where offense is your strength. You know, you would want less interference from the weather, but yeah, you know. I, I, it's it's all about turnovers. It's all about turnovers for the last years, however long Mike, Mike Pettin's been around. Mm-hmm. That's what the Packers' defense is. Gotcha. So move over to quarterbacks because we did kind of jump that, but I mean, running mm-hmm. backs were pretty consequential. Yeah, there's there's a few injuries and mm-hmm. benchings possibly that you have to note. First, starting with Kyler Murray, 
who is going to be going against the Rams uh, and has a lower leg injury as well. It's unclear if he actually is going to play in this game. It's possible that this Cardinals-Rams game that could decide one of the final Mm -hmm. playoff spots has two backup quarterbacks. We know the other one, with the Rams' perspective, is already going to have John Wolford start, which you mentioned because Jared Goff had thumb surgery. Mm -hmm. So... There are potentially multiple quarterbacks, whether it be uh, Kyler Murray, maybe even Russ Wilson against the Niners, uh, that you would have to consider benching if that's the case. And then you had Tua, who was benched during the second half of the other game uh, with the Dolphins. Dolphins need to win this game, too. I used Tua uh, because he was going against the Raiders, which are supposed Mm -hmm. to be horrible, and that came back to bite me as well. So, like, there's a lot of moving pieces at quarterback, too. Yeah, there are a lot of fantasy implications to just the Murray situation alone here because, number one, you know, before I even got wind of the injury, I'm thinking, man, is he a quarterback you consider benching against the Rams? Like, uh... I went against Mario in the, in the Dynasty uh, playoffs you know, this week, and he benched Kyler Murray to start Jalen Hurts. And I, I looked at that, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a funny decision. He turned out to be right, of course. But um, Murray is someone that, given this uh, crazy tough matchup, you know, it, it's tough sliding against the Rams anyway. Then you take into the fact that maybe he's not 100%. He becomes someone that you maybe start to look for streamers for. And I wrote Russ down as well because, you know, when you're heading into 17, you got one week left. You know, we can talk about all these quarterbacks with good streaming matchups, but the first thing is who are you actually benching? Yes. What quarterback could you have could have gotten you all the way here that now you have to think about, okay, maybe you would bench. So, you know, Murray was one of them that hit the list because of the matchup. Russ hit the list because he's been in the free he hasn't been cooking so much lately um, and going up against the 49ers I know they've had their fair share of injuries but they've been a pretty strong defense for the most part there those are guys that you would consider and then in their place you know you run down the streaming list Rivers 40% owned against the Jaguars love that they one. need to be uh they need to win this game. The yep. Colts need to win this game. Uh, it's full throttle. I think he's Payne's top pick on our column this week, and I can see very much why he would be a solid streamer this week. Uh, Derek Carr's 39% roster at too. Denver. That's not too bad. I even wrote Daniel Jones 24% against the Cowboys. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but uh, you know those are situations that you know you might want to think about. You know you have a tough time actually making the move to bench Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray in your Week 17, especially if it's your championship. We have a couple you know leagues that uh, that. You know, we I think our, our Vegas league, you know, is like a four parter, right? And I think it might play all the way to the end. Of course, I, I got knocked out of that, but um, but it might play all the way to the end, and it's combining divisions. And in that case, goes to week seventeen. So, so you never know. There are situations where you know you think about uh, making a move like that. But there's that, and then there's a ton of two quarterback news this week. Um, you know, we hit the Rams, we hit the the Cardinals, Cardinals here. Um, Deshaun Watson says he's going to play, but geez, did he get his hand snapped back in that helmet and it looked ugly? Um, he says he'll play, but if not, it's AJ McCarron time. Pretty favorable. He gets the Titans there, so whoever suits up there is someone to think about. And then, of course, you have to look at the Washington football team after the release of Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Alex Smith kind of has that calf injury. He's likely to be available against the Eagles Sunday night prime time. Fun stuff. Otherwise, if he doesn't, Taylor Heineke. So for your I'm two so quarterback leagues, that's there's Sunday something. Night. I'm so annoyed that's a Sunday night game. Yeah, I thought the Packers were going to get flexed to that too, oh, but you know, so I, I don't, I don't want to watch the NFC East. NBC please. just loves the NFC East though so much. I don't know, uh, and the Cowboys aren't even playing. I, I get, know. I get it then, but you know. Anyway, that's the rundown of the quarterback list for this week. You know, figured it's best to hit this in quick hitters because there's not many guys you're actually benching. You know, there aren't a ton of red flags across the top scorers. So, you know, go for it. But, again, if you if it's a tough matchup or if, like you said, you know, maybe the Chiefs, maybe Mahomes doesn't play the whole game and you got to think about an alternative. How could you have the Rams and Cardinals competing for a playoff spot? I know they're now down to their backup quarterbacks, likely. But why would you look at that NFC scheme, game and, and see nobody over 500 record Maybe best case scenario, they win one playoff game. You're like, yep, got to put that on prime time. Uh, this is that's that's how you should end 2020 with an NFC East prime time game. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it would only be fitting. It would be more fitting if it was on like a Wednesday night or something. So. <laughs> yes, to end the season. All right, uh, let's move over to wide receivers. I think we covered quarterbacks pretty well. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson had a big play, 81-yard touchdown uh, for Jalen Hurts. Of course, the Eagles lost. Now are out of playoff contention. It'll be interesting to see how well they compete in a revenge game for Deshaun Jackson. I'm not like completely sold enough but what do you think jake i don't know at nine percent rostered you know there are situations when you look at your team and you look at your opponent and you think you know depending on your format you know maybe you don't take too much status weight on the projections there but then you know there are situations where man this opponent has got a killer team and they're projected to stomp you by 40 points maybe i need a big play guy and instead of like a cole beasley you know a reception guy you know we always joke about the cole beasley line for the waiver wire instead of you know cole beasley's safe three catches maybe i need a guy that can get 180 yards 
yard touchdown, and that's where you look at Jackson. That's why he's on the list. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's a tough one, especially when you have guys like maybe Zach Pascal who become incredibly relevant again. I think Philip Rivers is one of the better pickups against Jacksonville this week. If Pittman's out, he had a concussion, and it was confirmed that he had concussion. Uh, Pascal, I mean, I, I am interested in that situation mm-hmm. as, uh, again, the Colts need to compete, need to win this game to be playoff eligible. I think Pascal makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Such, I mean, Michael Pittman has the confirmed concussion here, and it's the Jacksonville Jaguars who, uh, you know, they've already got the Lawrence sweepstakes locked up, so maybe they'll play for some pride or something like that. But the Colts are the better team, and they need to win. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton's been more involved of late, but it looks like Pascal's the clear number two here, and he becomes – you know, there are targets that are opened up for him. Now, you could argue maybe a lot of those will go to Naheem Hines and the tight ends because uh, that has happened in the past, you know, mm-hmm. when Pittman was hurt. Pascal wasn't necessarily the guy, but depending on how deep you are, that's an option to consider. Yeah, and Scary Terry sunk my uh, stake league team, one of many guys that completely let me down. But uh, as a result, Steven Sims and Cam Sims, yes, that is as confusing as it seems, mm-hmm. uh, kind of became the two wide receivers other than Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas was consistent, uh, but it's – it's going to be Heineke likely as their starter if Alex Smith is unable to go. Mm-hmm. I think I like Steven Sims more of that, and it's only because Mario likes Steven Sims more uh, than Cam Sims. But even still, it, it's a tough situation when you're looking at the Washington pass, uh, like Washington quarterbacks mm-hmm. and the healthy pass catchers for that team. Yeah, I mean, the stat that jumps out at me is nine targets for Cam Sims as opposed to six targets for Steven to Sims. But... He, I didn't get the full exact breakdown of which of those came from Haskins, which of those came from Heineke. And if Alex Smith is the quarterback, he's going to look for J.D. McKissick and Logan Thomas, and that's about it. So uh, the target distribution from Week 16 shouldn't bear a ton of weight on your decision for what to do Week 17. I'm just kind of laying out there, here are the guys, if you really want to get frisky with it and uh, and maybe try to sneak something up, but you know you don't feel great about them. It's a bad week for wide receiver ads. Yeah, Mario has been batting a thousand for about five years now, so I'll defer to him on Steven Sims. I, I think it's more of a talent based thing as opposed to the role in their offense, because obviously Cam Sims has been the more featured player. It's just that Steven Sims is more talented. Um, either way, it's a tough sell for me. I think in a full point PPR league, if you really need a floor, one of those guys probably gives it to you much in the same way McKissick does. But you're not excited to start McKissick, and you shouldn't be excited to start this. You shouldn't be excited to start the Sims. Maybe a little excited to start McKissick if no. it's PPR. Okay, sure. I don't know. But you, you, I, I, I've used him to you know he's burned me a couple times, but I've also used him to some success in a couple of spots, including okay. this past week. You can you can live in that uh, basement that you want to have with your JD McKissick fanboy. That's fine with me. I mean, there's a meme out there where it's got like. Breeze and Kamara, ooh, but then like right underneath, it's got Smith and McKissick. Check down, check down, check down. That's what I, that's what I picture in my head. Uh, the other wide receiver to mention, Michael Gallup, finally had his Michael Gallup day. Andy Dalton, I don't know why I decided to defer to him this go round, mm-hmm. but uh, six catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns, and both of those were red zone targets too. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was the bigger deal. You're, you're watching the the red zone, like, oh, Michael Gallup scored. That was a good catch. Oh, he scored again, like. A decent day from he's yeah. probably in. CD Lamb had a nice day too. I yeah, mean, I was gonna say Gallup's probably in that threshold though, where he's probably rostered and probably rostered by teams that have not participated at all in the waiver wire, and therefore you can't mm-hmm. grab him though. Yeah, yeah, that's the most likely case. I think he barely made the threshold, but that stat line jumps out, and I'd rather start a name and a pedigree like Michael Gallup than if I'm looking at maybe Zach Pascal or Sam Sims, I guess. Okay. Uh, moving on to tight end, Irv Smith has been awesome with Kyle Rudolph out. That is no surprise to anyone. We just need to know if uh, Kyle Rudolph is out again this week because the Vikings have the Lions on schedule. And of course, the Vikings are still competing for the playoffs as well. So that's an interesting one. Um, the Chargers had Steven Anderson, Donald Parham, a few targets with Hunter Henry out on the COVID list. It was possible Henry could have returned for this past week. So mm-hmm. I could see the Chargers maybe trying to have Henry out there, especially in his in his franchise year, he got franchise tagged. Okay, the, the, I could see them trying to play Henry for this one, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's it's not. Hunter Henry was my dynasty league championship tight end this year. I don't think a lot of people can say that it was wow. Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, and I got Dalton Keene coming up the pipeline. Oh, Watch out go. for your dynasty. Okay, so yeah, Stephen Anderson down Parham. Parham has been the the red zone threat. They will they will do some plays specifically for him because he's six eight. But he isn't all that good. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, like, again, Irv Smith is great. I think that's a good pickup, but there is nothing for tight end otherwise. And that's how the season yeah. really has been. Payne also mentions Jimmy Graham in his column. Uh, and Two touchdowns. Yeah. Again, maybe he's part of 
Trubisky's heroic re-signing effort, you know, or something like that. I don't know. But, um, again, a touchdown-dependent guy. I mean, that's the, that's what you're looking at in the landscape of tight end here. Hopefully you got Waller or, I mean, Kelsey can't even do it for you this week, right? More than likely, no. You will have unless, to depend on Logan Thomas. Unless are they going to record chase? Does he already have the, he already mo- has the record. most tight ends? Yes. Yeah. What, what if he leads the league, though? In has that ever yards? been done? Has a know. tight end ever done that? I'm sure, like in the '60s, mm-hmm. some tight end did that. Yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> if there's, I should have looked more into. Is there a record chasing narrative with Kelsey? There's a lot of moving parts here. I mean, the situation, whatever we describe, could easily change by Sunday. Here, we're doing this on Tuesday. We have to wait for um, Andy Reid to make the, any sort of proclamation. But I can almost assure you, Patrick Mahomes is not playing a full game uh, with the Chiefs already locking mm-hmm. it up. And if Mahomes isn't playing. Then is Kelsey uh, Hill was banged up too. Like Hill Hill already kind of had a hamstring, right. so yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, maybe, I don't think he played. Maybe it's Miko Hardman City in week that, seventeen. Yeah, there you go. For your, your DFS lineups, I was yeah. Say your best ball team yeah, for all my all my dead best ball lineups. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Keyshawn Vaughn bought him up from eleven to ten. Then, then Miko Hardman will definitely get him from ten to nine. <laughs> all right, there you go. Uh, one last time, a word from our sponsors, Bet MGM. Sports betters know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That's why BetMGM is teamed up with RotoWire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month RotoWire subscription when they place their first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's R-O-T-O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of RotoWire's unmatched sports insight. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sports books by signing up and placing your first bet today visit betmgm.com for terms and conditioning if you're 21 years or older to wager colorado indiana new jersey nevada tennessee and west virginia only please make sure to gamble responsibly and if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 in colorado nevada 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey and west virginia in tennessee call or text the red line at 1-800-889-9789 and if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. This promotional code is not available in Nevada. All right, so we talked about the free agent pickups before. Let's go over to our waiver wire guys now, the ones who are going to be winning the awards, who have won leagues, hopefully, Mm -hmm. for a lot of people and who uh, might be able to make us look better on the podcast we talk about each and every week. We have quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Do you want to uh, drum roll it mentally and go ahead and get into the quarterbacks? Yeah, we need a guy with sound effects here. Our, our production team, you know, it's just, it's just the two of us. That's Joe. That, yeah, that's Joe on Garage Man. <laughs> no, uh, the, the quarterback award has got to be Justin Herbert, right? The eventual rookie of the year, although Justin Jefferson made a slight charge towards him in rookie of the year. We'll see what happens there. Um, Herbert's the guy. I mean, he was somebody that if you picked him up early, he was a steady, consistent scorer for you and um, def- probably led you to good things. I mean, he's the perfect reason why you don't put premium draft Scott stock in a quarterback in fantasy football drafts. You pick up a guy like him week two or three to replace your your, your Matt Ryan or Jared Goff or whatever you had there, and then suddenly he's your starter the rest of the way out, and you pay next to nothing for him. Herbert, uh, man, the, the, the uh, Chargers made a good good move with this draft pick, and so did fantasy owners who rostered him. I know that uh, ESPN— I you said they made a good move by stabbing Tyrod Taylor. I was <laughs> like, wait a minute, this, wait a minute. Is this guy <laughs> wild. Wait, okay. well, I wasn't going that way. Okay. That, was, that was your brain. But uh, <laughs> no, ESPN, I, I don't have it in front of me, but they always put out their you know percentage of uh, playoff yes, teams that have yeah. X player. Mm-hmm. Herbert was way up there because he saved a lot of people's quarterback situation. Though I did want to give an honorable mention to Jalen Hurts because of his, uh, you know, his couple of solid games during playoff time, helping a lot of fantasy players out when it mattered most. Yeah, the Jalen the Jalen Hurts one hurts, uh, no pun intended, because Liss has him right now on our stake league team, and my team needs a lot of things at the moment, but desperately has needed tight end or t- needed quarterback, I should say, for a while. Mm-hmm. And yet here, Hurts is trying to help out Liss not be a double buyer, and I could have used Hurts to win a championship. So I feel like. Uh, he's being wasted a little bit on Lissa's team, which is frustrating to me, but mm-hmm. it's fine. I'll just keep rolling with Dwayne Haskins and Teddy Bridgewater, who are my two yep. quarterbacks on the roster right now. That's how <laughs> – I don't know what quarterbacks you have on your side of things, but that was the best option hey, was Dwayne Haskins. I beat Mario in Dynasty this, le- this week. I chose the wrong one. I chose Teddy Bridgewater over Sam Darnold. That's what I was okay. working with. I put 20% <laughs> of my fab down on Marcus Mariota on the off chance he would he play, play because that was the situation. I, I also spent like 60% of my fab money on James Winston at one point. Once Dak Prescott got hurt, that was just the entire mess. So yeah, I did okay. I did win one championship with Teddy Bridgewater as my starter this past week, somehow. Somehow. Herbert um helped me helped me win it take second place in an NFFC auction draft that we did towards the end of the year. So I'm forever grateful for Justin Herbert. Moving over to the running backs though, 
it's funny because we probably were in a lot of leagues where James Robinson was not available because there was mm-hmm. deeper leagues and kind of towards the end of the season. Uh, we were aware of James Robinson as the starter, and Mario was in on this mm-hmm. from the get-go to the point where I had drafted him in a few spots. Like, yeah. That's one of my last picks. But, I mean, a lot of leagues, if you drafted in the first, second, third week of August even, yeah. um, you know, he wasn't taken. No. And if you if you basically – if you had Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley this year, guys that you pretty much got – nothing from you know for the entire of the year Saquon Barkley getting hurt even earlier um James Robinson saved your season yep. he saved your entire season he was someone uh, I think I picked him up in one spot and you know just started him he was he became a must start in any format you know even if it's a 10 team league for the entirety of the rest of the way out he was consistent he had big games and he actually looks like a building block around what Jacksonville wants to do here with Trevor Lawrence and company. So he definitely gets the top running back pickup of the year award here. Absolutely. I think so too. It was just funny because I, I agree with you that he does deserve the award. I just was never in any leagues that could get him because we were either drafting mm-hmm. later with other really super smart guys that uh, had already sniffed it out. So yeah, James Robertson, Justin Herbert, your quarterback, running back, waiver wire of the year award winners. I think if we're playing this like normal fantasy football, mm-hmm. there's a running back too. And if that's the case, doesn't it by default have to be Mike Davis? I mean, for a good stretch of the season, for three to four weeks, he was a top seven overall guy in PPR leagues, or top seven running back, I should say, in PPR leagues. Yes, mm-hmm. he fell down uh, a little bit on that ladder with Curtis Samuel emerging. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then he kind of came back. Came back. Yeah. I mean, like there, there was a real ebb and flow to Mike Davis's game, but he feels like the number two overall running back of waiver wire pickups mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, if you were putting together a team, uh, you know, if you could fast, you know, backtrack to the beginning of the year, maybe you were playing a vampire league or something. And you had, a, or I'm just trying to envision a scenario where you make your all star team, mm-hmm. um, a team with James Robinson and Mike Davis as the, as RB one and two throughout the year was probably pretty successful. So I, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, that uh, you know plays <laughs> the whole Panthers situation will have an interesting role in our mock draft here towards the end of the show. Um, I also threw some other honorable mentions on here. Wayne Gallman and Gio Bernard helped me in stake league charge when I lost Nick Chubb and and was deep, deep low, and now I'm mm-hmm. kind of making a charge back to that final uh, eater spot. Miles um, Gaskin, if you could get him. I think Gaskin is like, you could have replaced Davis with Gaskin, and I think either one would be fine. Gaskin mm-hmm. was incredible, but he missed that three-week stretch or two-week stretch yep. around there, which was pretty costly. Yeah. Well, and then the tough part was he came back here for week 16, but you didn't know what was going to happen between mm-hmm. Gaskin and Ahmed playing so well. You had no idea Gaskin was going to get 30 fantasy points, so yeah. that happened on most people's benches. Yeah, so like that's I think you could go interchangeable with Davis and Gaskin on that. Gallman helped me in stake league too. Gio Bernard helped me in a few other leagues as well. Uh, my best ball team really loves Giovanni Bernard, especially when Chubb was down. So mm-hmm. that's been fine. And then you did have the one week of Tony Pollard, which was yeah. a glorious week Throw that made that everyone there. frustrated with Zeke. Yeah, I mean, it was a 30-point effort in the fantasy playoffs. Oh, we'll, we'll go ahead and mention his name for that. I think the top waiver wire pickup just overall, though, has to be Justin Jefferson as we move over to the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Now, we, especially me, was drafting Justin Jefferson everywhere. So he was mm-hmm. never available in wires either. But there was that point in like week two or week three. If you go back and listen to the podcast, I was about ready to drop. I was like, I'm one week away Mm -hmm. from Mike Zimmer just torturing my poor boy, Justin Jefferson, and he's gone. And I imagine I was like one of the last holdouts in that because he was available just about every league in weeks two Mm -hmm. and three when Zimmer decided, oh, yeah, we can't play our rookies. Since then, he has become, I believe, the Rookie of the Year winner in the real NFL. I know Herbert will win because we have to give quarterbacks every award. But Justin Jefferson has been a game changer and has been a literal mainstay in fantasy lineups the entire season. Yep, he is the only reason that I'm even in this stakely conversation. He's been an absolute stud. He has helped me make up for my Miko Hardman transgressions in many occasions. <laughs> Blew half of my fab budget in him on him around week four, and he's just been a double-digit point scorer ever since. With some huge weeks, helped me win a Kirk Cousins-related Culver's prop bet. Um, I just hats off to Justin Jefferson this year. That's the most credit you'll ever hear me give a Vikings player. Um, <laughs> I mean, he at least makes the Vikings trading away Stephon Diggs and the amazing season that Stephon Diggs is having having right now. I mean, he at least makes that move look somewhat okay because they have got themselves a strong replacement. And they still have one of the better one-two receiver duos in the league with Jefferson and Thielen. Yeah. I think the other one has to be Robbie Anderson, who was probably drafted in some leagues if you were like doing an auto draft thing. But for most people, you're thinking DJ Moore is going to be an incredible asset. You have Christian McCaffrey doing things. Maybe Ian Thomas will be a factor at tight end for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Well, is Robbie Anderson that ended up being the number one guy for the Panthers and was probably available in leagues in weeks one and two. 
But by that point, yep. it was pretty clear where he was going to be featured in the Panthers and picked mm-hmm. up everywhere. Yeah, after a couple of hundred yard games, it, it was no moss. And then he became one of the most consistently producing receivers. Again, you know, he had his bumps towards the end when, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel started getting more involved. But Robbie Anderson way outplayed uh, DJ Moore. DJ Moore cost you like $30 on draft day. Robbie Anderson cost you $1 or $0 on yeah. draft day. So, uh, you know, hats off to him for, you know, some of the great stories out there and, of course, an excellent fantasy season. So your starting uh, roster for the waiver wire awards is Justin Herbert, quarterback, James Robinson, Mike Davis, or Miles Gaskin interchangeable at that second running back spot. Mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, Robbie Anderson is your two wide receivers. If you were playing a three wide receiver league and giving out awards, I think Claypool, Chase Claypool at times – was that guy. Mm-hmm. And then at other times, it was T. Higgins. If you could combine the production of Higgins and Claypool on each and every week, yep. you'd probably have a great number three mm-hmm. uh, free agent wide receiver. Yeah, the more I think about it, I want to give this spot to T. Higgins because once he emerged, you know, of course, hit a little rough patch after the Burrow injury. But a couple of reasons for, for Higgins. One, with Claypool, his four touchdown game was what made people pay attention to him. Nobody, you know, maybe 0.2% of uh, 400,000 entries on a DFS site might have used Claypool in his four-touchdown game. So, you know, when you got almost half of his production coming from that huge week, yeah, he had a few good weeks afterwards when, you know, the rest of the receiving core was banged up. But Higgins was a little more consistent, and he was strong in the fantasy playoffs, particularly the fantasy championship. So I'll give him the wide receiver three this year. Moving over to tight end, uh, Robert Tunyon, you didn't win the Pro Bowl because we must make sure the NFC East is cared to at all times. But you did win our waiver wire uh, free agent pickup award because you were one of the top tight ends available mm-hmm. in a year that really needed tight ends to be more available on the waiver wire. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always rag on the tight end position every single year, but this was this year was as good of an argument as any to make your last uh, you make your tight end spot a wide receiver slash tight end flex spot yes. because it was brutal. I mean, outside of Kelsey and Waller, you know, a- Andrews had his occasional games, but it was really Kelsey and Waller and nobody else. But Bobby T snuck up into that mix, you know, with a couple big games early. He was somebody that, uh, you know, Rodgers liked to go to quite a bit, you know, whether it be when Devonta Adams was hurt, when Alan Lazard missed his stretch after he was getting hot. He provided some consistent production, though I do want to sneak in an honorable mention for Logan Thomas, because if you used him in the back half of the season, he was very, very steady. And throughout the playoffs, he was very, very steady. And, you know, he made it possible to win a fantasy championship if you did not have Waller or Kelsey. Yeah, I was going to say Logan Thomas is our flex if we are kind of uh, <laughs> going with the traditional model of this because Tunyon, as much as we're we're bagging on tight ends that are just touchdown dependent, well, if you are scoring touchdowns every week, yeah, then then it kind of works. So mm-hmm. Tunyon does deserve that role, but Logan Thomas was a huge feature towards the with the Washington offense towards the mm-hmm. end of the season, especially in PPR yeah. leagues, and was a critical factor if you missed a George Kittle like I did. I'm raising absolutely, hands, you know. So that that yeah. is our group: Justin Herbert, James Robinson, Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, uh, Justin Jefferson, Robbie Anderson. Tunyon and Logan Thomas round out yep. your waiver wire for agent awards. We can call it Vampire League Retrospect. <laughs> I didn't play any Vampire Leagues, but it's where you, I believe the most common format is where you have to make a team off entirely the waiver wire undrafted players. And if you beat any team that you run into during the schedule, you get to swap one of your players yes. with one of theirs. Yeah. And that's slowly how you, uh, and how you manage there throughout the team throughout the year. So otherwise, everything else is the same. But yeah, Vampire League retrospect, waiver wire awards, guys that were not drafted, that were potential game changers and championship winners for your league. All right. Well, this is probably the part that everyone's most excited for, or unimaginably skipping to as you're listening to the podcast. We're going to enter into our 2021 first round mock draft. We are doing this live right now. Neither of us have written down anything. We have our own cheat sheets at the moment, but this is going to be a live draft. And uh, I guess since I'm in a giving spirit, it's my birthday. I will let you go ahead, Jake, and have the number one overall pick. This is going to be a 12-team league. We're just doing the first round. We're going back and forth on a half-point PPR. Uh, your traditional settings, I guess, don't really matter. 12-team, mm-hmm. half-point PPR. Jake will start first. I'll go next. We'll go back and forth and fill out each of the 12 teams for the first round. Yeah, so this is a situation where you know, I'm going to try to put recency bias aside of some of the players that have performed really well for me and some of the players that have carried owners to fantasy championship this year. I think... Going back, you know, you're talking to me right now on December 29th, 2020, you know, for a August 2021 draft. I think the number one pick for me is going to be Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to go back to that well for a couple of reasons. One, you know, the system is going to be very favorable. Matt Rule has set up a system that features the running backs uh, heavily involved, especially as pass catchers. You saw that with Samuel. You saw that with Davis once McCaffrey went down. So, you, you know, you have some confidence in him coming into the same system. And two, 
he pretty much got a year off. You know, he had he had three games at the start of the year, carried the ball 59 times for 225 yards, five touchdowns, you know, nothing too crazy. Very productive in that time. And he gets the year off, which is perfect for, you know, a running back. 24, hardly is hitting his athletic prime. He's about to hit his athletic prime with, you know, ideally a full offseason to get healthy and be back on track here. So for me, I'm still rolling Christian McCaffrey as the number one overall pick. You had talked off air on how this was going to be controversial. I don't really think it is too much. Now, there is there is some mm-hmm. concern, much like in the way that we got worried about David Johnson like two years ago, and it's proven that he's just injury concerns off the wazoo and you just can't rely on him. I think there there is this, – this should be troubling. Like it's not an automatic lock that McCaffrey's back there again. In a full-point PPR setting, I completely understand. In a half-point PPR setting, you have him number one. I think I would have him number two uh, behind my guy, who I'll talk about in just a second here. But in the standard scoring, I think he is now – he's bumped down. Like I think you can go Derrick Henry or a different wide receiver in a standard scoring setting. Um, but when it comes to the receptions, I still think McCaffrey is going to be a focal point. And you're right. The fact that he missed this year and for the most part didn't mm-hmm. take many body shots, anything like that – that helps matters. Yeah. I mean, he does. didn't. He had he had a thigh injury, and, and you know, all the, he didn't blow his knee out. You exactly. know, he didn't have anything crazy like that. It was so. an ankle injury too, mm-hmm. right? That, that's there was a high ankle towards the end of the year. I yeah, exactly. All things that these guys are more than capable of recovering from if they had enough rest. They give him enough rest during the season. You know, he'd be around if they're in the playoffs. They're not in the playoffs, and then he gets a whole off season. So none of these injuries are things that I'm worried about um, having. Uh, you know, long long term effects here. Uh, my first pick and the second overall pick in our 2021 first-round mock draft is going to be Elvin Kamara. I, I think this is pretty obvious if you're not taking McCaffrey, uh, especially in a half-point or full-point PPR setting. Kamara makes a lot of sense with what he was able to do with the Saints offense right now. And I think uh, regardless of where Drew Brees goes, if he retires, mm-hmm. if he stays one more year with the Saints, it doesn't matter. We saw that scheme for the most part be worked towards Kamara. Now, Taysom Hill, if he is the guy... That's the real big question, There is a bit of a concern, but I'm assuming they watched Taysom Hill be a starting quarterback and said, yeah, no, we're going to figure it out afterwards. Mm -hmm. So Kamara is my number two guy, and I think he is uh, one of the best talents in fantasy football, and I will bet on talent every time. Yeah, I mean, if you forgot about McCaffrey and we're looking at uh, 2020 stats alone, I think Kamara would be um, right up near the top of the list here. Um, And... And yeah, I I don't blame you on in that one at all. I think uh, I'm hoping that if I'm you know drafting four or five next year, I can get him to slip because people will be scared about Taysom Hill or maybe have Taysom Hill nightmares on how he wasn't an automatic nonstop check down to Kamara. But I have confidence in the Saints getting the ball to their best player overall. Kamara is a perfectly safe uh, number two pick. I'm really torn between two guys for the number three pick here. Um, there are two players that are very very worthy of this and i'm sure the one that i say that i don't take will be going to you um but after top toppling back and forth i'm taking derrick henry Mm. at number three overall he has been consistent 15 or more games well i guess he'll be he'll make it 16 this year um he's only missed one game in the last four years which is huge for running backs you know his body type uh seems to be he can have some more longevity he's the foundation of my dynasty team he's in his age 26 season so a couple more at least solid years should be coming here out of him and the other part is he's at his best in the fantasy playoffs down the stretch, later in the season. Except against the Packers. Yes, except against the Packers. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, a matchup that should have been glorious <laughs> for whatever part. reason. You know, sometimes things just don't make sense. But for the most part, you know, before that uh, before that Packer game, you know, he was getting, you know, 21.2, 34.2. He, he's solid. He's steady. You know, his worst fantasy game this year was seven points against the Browns. I guess the Bears, too. Um, so, you know, he's never getting you goose eggs. He's always out there. And and he's incredibly consistent and steady, and I see a similar system and 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 think for him next year. And of course, unquestioned number one back. They don't really have much in terms of backups there. Nobody's going to threaten or sniff his carries at all. Nobody can do what King Henry does. I mean, just mm-hmm. that offense is completely different. Ryan Tannehill runs for a forty-five yard touchdown Sunday night because you have to commit to Derrick Henry every single time. It's it it just completely changes the offense. Makes makes bad players like Tannehill better. Uh, and, I, and I don't think a Darrington Evans or Jeremy McNichols, your backups in Tennessee, can have any sort of same effect that they do with King Henry. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, in a in standard setting, he is number one overall, right? Like, would you take Henry over McCaffrey? In, in zero points for PPR? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You could make a case for it. I think McCaffrey, you know, you, you think about it in terms of touches and, and combined the the, recept- the receptions and the carries combined. Mm. I think they'll exceed Henry's carries a little bit more, and Henry doesn't quite do as much, you know, of course, as, as a pass catcher. So it becomes really tough. Um, I think I'd still lean McCaffrey, but you could – I couldn't blame you for going Henry. Okay. I think I would take Henry in standard, but at this point in a half-point or full-point P- PPR – Kamara McCaffrey are still above him, but mm-hmm. this is the highest Henry will probably ever be. I mean, to be honest, right? He was a late first round pick this year because, oh, he can't catch passes. And can he really stay this healthy? It's kind of locked in. It's pretty confirmed at this point. Mm-hmm. Injuries can always happen. Yes. But his role and what he is able to do as a talent on the NFL field uh, is unquestioned. So he is number three on our 2021 first round mock. Number four, I believe, is Delvin Cook, which is where you would have went, yep. right? That yeah, was, so. It was between Henry and Cook. Yeah. And, and again, you couldn't go wrong with either of them. I'll, I'll let you give your little spiel on him. But what it came down to me was less missed games. Yeah, and, that and, was and it. I think that the health factor is critical, right? If Delvin Cook plays all 16 games, he's probably one of the leading rushers, if not the leading rusher in the NFL. The, the focal point that he has on the Vikings, he can catch passes. They have to run screen passes through him because they only have two guys. Uh, I don't see, especially with the amount of defense the Vikings still need, the Vikings really able to commit many resources offensively mm. to take away from Cook's production. Uh, and they did sign him to a contract, too. So to me, it's, it's a pretty cut-and-dry mm-hmm. case as a top-four overall pick, much in the same way we argued about Ezekiel Elliott in years past as he's in the big four. I think you can make a case with Delvin Cook every single year. It's just a matter if you want to risk it with the health. He played for the most part this season. I think yep. Dalvin Cook at this point is kind of locked in exactly. That spot. You know him him playing his first full full season. You know gives you the ceiling and almost like buying high a little bit. But no, I I mean I agree with you. No no uh, no issue with that pick whatsoever. It was Henry and Cook, and again it was like a couple less games missed and a slightly better backup for Cook was what tipped me to Henry at number three. But really I could change my mind on that four more times before the next year. All right, number five. Um, I don't know if this is that controversial. But coming off a year in which the tight end position mm. just got stomped. I mean, Travis Kelsey, I've seen people take him this high this past year. Um, there are a couple of receivers that I thought about, but I think after those top four running backs, there's, a, you know, the, after those big four, there's a little bit of a drop off here. So now you have to decide okay, do I get a tier uh, two running back? Do I take wide receiver, which has had pretty much a fifty percent bust rate in the first round for this, you know, for as long as I can remember? Anecdotal evidence. I don't have stats, you know, whatever. Um, or do I take the healthiest, most consistent, uh, best skilled tight end in terms of volume, red zone use, and just overall production across the board? I mean, he's a top ten. He'd have been a top five receiver in fantasy this year. So Travis Kelsey's my pick at number five. Not going to worry about tight end. You know, trying to find your diamond in the rough tight end didn't work out so hot this year. And, you know, how many options did you cycle through before maybe you landed on Bobby T or Logan Thomas if you were lucky enough to do so? Screw it. Uh, You know, my leagues were the best. The leagues I had the most success in usually were the ones I had Kelsey in. So going to throw him out there at number five. You can find running backs and wider receivers off the waiver wire like we talked about. But when Robert Tunyon and Logan Thomas are your top two waiver wire options for the season I get it I think this is a little bit early for me I mean like Kelsey is very deserving of a first round pick and even like in seven or eight but we still have to take Devontae Adams before him especially after this year Devontae Adams Mm -hmm. is my number pick or my number six pick here Um, and I don't see Rodgers like when you're planning the Jordan Love trajectory it's not this year where Rodgers going off and it wasn't next year uh, in 2021 it was the year after contract wise which makes sense and when that happens if Rodgers were to leave the Packers all bets are off on Devontae Adams that's not going to occur next year based off the contract stuff so if that's the case it's still the number one guy in an offense that hopefully adds more wide receivers but man we don't know what the Packers are going to do I think Devontae Adams is going to be very clearly locked into that spot and while Michael Thomas is always safe in a full point PPR league injuries can happen what happens when you have a Michael Thomas who also catches 12 touchdowns a year? There's Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm just realizing that I maybe left Michael Thomas off my list coming back from injury. There's don't a lot worry, of variables there. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I, like, I don't think so, but, but maybe. Um, okay, so 100% agree with you on Devontae Adams. I don't have an issue with that. I actually had Devonte adams number six on my list okay. he would have been next up for me um again so that five six range is where you really have to make the decision ultimately it came to i i would i would bet that Devonte adams who you know 
is going to break all sorts of franchise records in 13 and a half games played is going to be the number one ranked receiver next year. I don't doubt that at all, but it was just a matter of, uh, you know, positional scarcity really for me. And normally you don't mess with that in the first round, but when the amount of points Kelsey scored was the way it was and at that position, I love it. Um, after Devonte Adams though, I'm going down to another wide receiver. I think it's Tyreek Hill time. There are a couple guys I picked between ultimately Tyreek Hill is younger. I like the quarterback play a little bit better and nobody is as fast as him. You just can't at 26 years old, his speed's not magically going anywhere. Uh, I'm going another chief and uh, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, he, he, he scores, he gets high volume. Um, you know, maybe there's a slightly, maybe you go with one of these hundred catch guys if you're going full PPR. But in this case, I, I put Tyreek Hill next on my list. Well, the biggest deal with Hill is that now he was involved in the red zone. We finally got that next mm-hmm. iteration of the Chiefs offense, which in, involves so many of the jet sweeps and quick outs. And here we're going to move Hill one way and then back the other way. And then, oh, yeah, we're going to hike it. Oh, and then here's Travis Kelsey getting that shovel underneath with a complete misdirection. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the That's final another way step. to love Kelsey. Yes. Those little shovel passes. Like they work so well and teams haven't figured that out. And when there are so many things, you know, you could run fades this any of those guys. You can run all kinds of reverses with Hardman. You can run straight up with the running backs that you have. It's just another thing to defend, uh, making both of those guys attractive red zone options. I suspect most people will take Hill before Adams. I disagree with you that Adams is the number one guy next year. I think it actually might be Hill. I just think Adams is going to have a better year and is going to be more consistent on a Mm -hmm. per-game basis. If I miss one or two games with him, that's going to be okay because I can figure it out with wide receiver. I have no concerns about his offensive Mm -hmm. role at all. I don't either with Tyreek Hill. To me, at wide receiver, it's 1A and 1B, Adams and Hill. Uh, It's this eighth spot here that I think becomes tricky because you can diverge Mm -hmm. in a lot of different spots. Here would be probably where I'd take Travis Kelsey if you're available. Of course, he's gone right now. So is CMC, who is taking number one overall, Elvin Kamara number two. Uh, Derek Henry, number three, Devlin Cook, uh, number four, Kelsey, number five, Adam, six, Hill, seven. At number eight, I think I'm going to be going with Austin Eckler. And I and I know that's Ooh. a kind of interesting dilemma, and especially in a half-point PPR setting, you wouldn't envision that to be the case. Eckler missed some time due to injury. This was more of a fluky injury than anything else. Previously, he was completely fine. And I think the Chargers are going to involve, involve him more as the number one back. They still do that stupid stuff with Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson and everything else. That's going to happen. But I'm actually anticipating a change from Anthony Lynn and Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, helps Austin Eckler, helps Justin Herbert, and drafting some offensive line help only makes a difference. I'm taking Eckler number eight overall. All right, that's interesting. I almost disregarded Eckler because of the uh... – because of the situation, um, you know, this season, uh, I actually had one, two, three, four other running backs on the list before him. So the only knock on that pick was maybe, maybe I'd wait for him coming back. Okay. We'll see if yeah, that happens. Fair. We'll see if that I, happens I if you're at the turn. Let you do it. Um, but no, who I took in, who I had ranked number eighth overall on my list, and who I'm taking here, uh, Nick Chubb. Um, I love Nick Chubb, what he can do. Yes, he is in somewhat of a timeshare with Kareem Hunt. And yes, that does take away from his touches a little bit, but he is the best up and down runner. I think the Browns are a team on the rise that is going to see plenty of more positive game script. And every time, you know, I watch uh, Chubb closely. I I was a believer out of college. He's passed the big injuries. Uh, I'm rolling with him as the number one, number eight overall pick this year. I have no complaints. That was the next guy up on my board, and I think you could differentiate between Eckler and Chubb. If it's a full-point PPR deal, then yes, Eckler is higher, I think, in my opinion. But Chubb is right there, and hopefully if he stays healthy, we we kind of just see him do what we thought he would do this year as like a top 16 pick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you extrapolate his, his games throughout a 16-game season, he's – you know, if he's coming off a 16 game season, I bet you we think of him right up there in that tier, like right behind Cook and Henry. I suspect most people will not let Saquon Barkley fall to the number 10 overall pick in their 2021 first round mock drafts. Uh, for us, that's where I'm having it right now. I'm I'm a little <laughs> bit worried about the Giants' offense. I I don't know what we're going to get at quarterback. It's hard to say right now if Daniel Jones is around. I don't know what you're going to have at wide receiver with Golden Tate throwing his hissy fits and uh, Sterling Shepard and everything else like that. Evan Ingram might be in the Pro Bowl and also cut by his team in the same year because his contract is what it is right now. And mm-hmm. I, I think they have franchise tagged him, but uh, I don't know if they get a re-signing out of that. The offensive st- line is still in shambles, despite what List says as well. And the defense was the one improving part of it. Uh, I just don't know if you can fix all those aspects. I know the Giants can still compete for a playoff spot this Sunday, 
but they are also still a team that will be guaranteed below 500, and that impacts things negatively for Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. I like Chubb way more. I like Austin Eckler in what I'm assuming will be an improved situation. Again, you can't get much worse mm-hmm. than Anthony Lynn and Shane Steichen. Yep. I think you could do worse in a weird giant situation. That's why Barkley's 10 for me. You're going to laugh when I show you my list because I had Barkley 10 as well. I was like, okay, here's the buy low one. I thought maybe this is going to be a little shocking, <laughs> but nope, nope, you nailed it. Um, yeah, he's the perfect buy low guy. I mean, we're talking the number one overall or the number two overall pick. Some people taking him number one overall even this year. Like there was a little bit, of, not so much of a debate over there. Definitely a top three player. Um, the injury was suffered early enough in the year, and he's young enough in his career that he, I'm not too worried about him I, I coming back at full speed stuff at all that, because I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. It mm-hmm. does not concern me the slightest. It's what the Giants will do in the offseason. Now, maybe they do things to improve the quarterback position and offensive line and also solidify what you have at wide receiver. That's great. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have an offseason for the first time uh, with Joe Judge now to maybe implement things that you couldn't have done previously. All that being said, I still think it's a bad offensive line with a bad quarterback and kind of mundane mm-hmm. skill position guys. That all weighs Barkley down despite the yeah. incredible talent he has. I mean, put Saquon Barkley on the Chiefs, he's the number one overall pick running away. Oh, for sure. And, you know, put him on the Packers, he's the number one overall yes. pick running yeah. away. Put him on any kind of team with positive game script, you got to stud on your hands here. But uh, in this situation, he kind of falls to around the turn here. Here's a guy I had ranked uh, one spot ahead of Barkley, just behind Chubb. I'm going to go DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. Um, okay, good. good. I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's age 28. So I'm not too worried about uh, this was his age 28 season. I'm not too worried about a decline coming yet. I mean, he's played in 15 or 16 games every year of his NFL career. Um, He's 1372 receiving yards. The touchdowns came down a little bit this year. And one of those was a Hail Mary. But I like the trajectory that Kyler Murray and the Cardinals overall are going. He's going to maintain their number one option, a huge part. And they've got just enough weapons to kind of distract you from DeAndre Hopkins. So um, volume wise, 111. He, if he plays in week 17 here, he could have his career high in catches in his first year with the Cardinals. So I like everything where this is going. DeAndre Hopkins, number 11 for me. And Hopkins actually plays all 16 games, unlike Devontae Adams, uh, and and can do the upside of Tyreek Hill with the floor of Devontae Adams. So you could actually make a case that Hopkins is number one overall wide receivers. I don't think so. Um, I, I get a little bit worried about the Kyler Murray aspect as a negative. You mentioned as a positive, which is fine. If Murray can't develop as a passer, I, I think there should be some legitimate concerns as to what DeAndre Hopkins' numbers look like. Mm-hmm. However, I think the Cardinals are a sneaky team that could actually draft wide receiver. You have Larry Fitzgerald, who's about 75 years old. You have Christian Kirk, who's fine in the slot but doesn't do much else. Mm-hmm. Andy Isabella did not do what you want him as a second-round pick. You need speed, and there's a lot of really capable, fast wide receivers that are available in this upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. And depending on if the Cardinals are able to move up even seven or eight picks— you can get a really quality guy to partner alongside Hopkins and make exactly. him more dangerous. Yeah, and I wouldn't worry about that individual that you're saying taking touches away from Hopkins by any means. It helps him get get more yes. open, draw less attention. DeAndre Hopkins has had good wide receivers by his side in Houston. He's had terrible, terrible bottom barrel quarterbacks. Like Kyler, If you told me Kyler Murray was going to miss the entire 2021 season, maybe I wouldn't give DeAndre Hopkins a first-round grade, but I'd still scoop him up in the second grade because it just doesn't matter. Yeah. He seems to be matchup-proof. He's, he's similar to Devontae in, in a sense where his physicality and his catch radius um, can overcome a lot of bad quarterback play. Yeah, I, I completely see that. My final pick in the final pick of the 2021 first-round mock draft that we're doing in the podcast here, Michael Thomas, you had mentioned it he was off your list i made sure he was online at the very end and this is this is more of an indictment on what is going to happen from the saints quarterback situation Mm -hmm. if drew Brees retires is it Taysom hill is there gonna be a different option altogether we don't really know right now but i still think michael thomas i'm betting on the talent and the situation in that offense right now in a full point ppr league he's probably ahead of saquon barkley for me and ahead of nick chubb so goes all the way up to number nine overall you could make hopkins go up to that point too i think you're going to see a rise overall in these top wide receivers in full point, but in a half point PPR, which we're drafting in, I'll take my number 12 and feel confident that I'm getting a floor and I'll be able to come back with whatever running back I want to afterwards. Mm-hmm. I like it and I don't like it because I think I'd almost rather take DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. I love, okay. I love where he's going, man. He's only He's got a great quarterback. It's only getting better. He's going to get to that point where he's in this top tier where he's matchup proof. And we could be talking about taking DK Metcalf fifth overall when we do this mock draft a year from now. 
Um, so he was next up on my wide receiver board. And then you want to throw out some honorable mentions out there? Notice we didn't take Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, he's no quarterbacks. Gonna, he, we had Lamar last year, yep. so no quarterbacks yeah, altogether. Yeah, we learned our lesson. I mean, Mahomes <laughs> will be the number one quarterback going into the 2021 season. I don't think there's really any questions about that. Josh Allen, great season, but I still think Mahomes comes first in that situation. But again, all these players are much less replaceable at their position there. Um, and then, you know, rounding up my list, I put Aaron Jones on there, but you don't yeah, necessarily I know. Do yeah. I, I don't think he quite squeaks in the first round. And some other guys just, you know, honorable mention types, Stephon Diggs, Jonathan Taylor, and God, I cannot quit Joe Mixon. I think he'll be he'll be good in this league eventually. And if uh, <laughs> and if, if they can get Burrow back, and I mean they've got they've got the makings of a very very good offense in Cincinnati. They have tons of other yes. weaknesses, Ooh, tons line. of other weaknesses. But if that team can and and they play in a tough division, I mean it's not like Baltimore or Pittsburgh are going away anytime soon. So I can see you know a lot of negative game script there. But if they can ever manage to get that turned around, Joe Mixon will be part of it. So again, I'll be that guy who wastes a mid second round pick on Joe Mixon and something or another happens. But you know. Maybe the year, essentially what was a year off, helped them. We'll see. Well, you'll tell me like what, what Washington does this offseason is going to greatly impact how I view Antonio Gibson, who would be my next running back. Like I took Michael Thomas 12. I think the next overall player is Stephon Diggs. And if I said Thomas and Diggs is my core to start a fantasy draft, I'd be ecstatic about that. Mm-hmm. Even, even though I know I need to chase running backs, I think we're going to have a little bit yep. deeper later on. Like I talked about this with Jim Coventry on SiriusXM last week, you're going to have um, like a couple of other running backs, whether it be Clemson, Alabama, guys giving you more rookies in there. DeAndre Swift, Dobbins, Taylor, Gib- uh, Gibson all added to that as well. Mm-hmm. I think instead yeah. of debating between David Johnson and Todd Gurley in the third or fourth round, we're actually going to have some value at running back in that spot this year. Mm-hmm. So it isn't as crucial for me to draft a running back in the first 12 picks because I know it can get a guy I feel it can buy in talent later on yeah outside of all those guys i put jonathan taylor the highest yes because me too he really came came on big time at the end of uh this season solid strong colts offensive line um did they sign rivers for more than a year i don't know off the i top think of my head uh, i thought it was like maybe a, like mm-hmm. the second year kind of option type of deal but okay well I'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out maybe they'll talk about andrew luck out of retirement wouldn't that be something, <laughs> something then like that. then then bump uh Jonathan Taylor up even more. Who knows? But yeah. uh, no, Jonathan Taylor would have been my first pick of the second round in this situation. But uh, no, good first round ma- uh, mock there. It was very, very surprising. Well, maybe not so surprising given we've done this show together all year long. But uh, we pretty much had this, uh, you know, we had our lists were so similar. Number one overall pick, Christian McCaffrey. Number two, Alvin Kamara. Derek Henry went number three and a half point PPR setting 12 teams. Delvin Cook, number four. Travis Kelsey was the bigger surprise at number five overall. Devonta Adams at six. Terry Kill, seven. Austin Eckler became another surprise at number eight overall and a half point PPR. Nick Chubb, number nine. Saquon Barkley fell all the way to number 10. And then we rounded out the first round 20, first round 2021 mock draft with DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas. And that does it for our final show of the Road to Our NFL podcast season. Of course, we'll be back next uh, next year, hopefully doing the same type of thing. I will hopefully have a kid that will be keeping me wide awake. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, our, cat, the cat's out of the bag now? The, I, well, I wasn't it sure. Is, so I, I, already, I already gave the reveal on SiriusXM. Here's the reveal on the podcast as well. Uh, to those of you listening, yes, my wife and I are pregnant. Uh, we are due at the beginning of July, maybe end of June. So it really will be that first month. Like I'll actually be back, and it will be right back into mm-hmm. football season. We couldn't have timed it any better if we tried. So Yeah, I mean, I'm hopefully hopefully at that time, you know, we'll all be vaccinated. We'll, we'll <laughs> yes, be back to normal. Um, yeah, I mean, the NFL podcast is going to continue with the DFS guys a couple times a week, you know, occasional off-season updates. John and Mario also doing mm-hmm. plenty of stuff as well. So you'll you'll get plenty of RotoWare coverage uh, for the NFL, just not from Jake and I very much often. Mm-hmm. We'll see you back uh, on these airwaves probably closer to the end of July with our kind of precursor podcast getting you set for the NFL football season. Hopefully everything is normal uh, and we can kind of get back to the routine, but uh, thank you truly for mm-hmm. sticking with us, for uh, participating on Twitter with us and making this football season as great as it was, given the circumstances. It really was a fun show and, and great to do with you, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. And right back at you, Joe. And uh, if we helped you this year, hopefully we did. The best thing you can do is get us a head start for next year, rate and review the podcast, of course. And if you want to check out the website, rotowire.com slash pod for 10 days, no credit card re- required. Our jobs don't quit. We stay busy during the off season here. Joe's got some NBA gambling work he's going to be doing. Yes. Um, I've got college basketball. You can check me out. I mean, Connor 
McGregor fights in January. I'll do an MMA podcast then. Uh, so I definitely won't be removed from the airways entirely. Just a little bit less until March Madness and uh, the real college basketball comes around. But man, it's been a pleasure uh, doing this this show every year. Uh, always sad to see it finish, but hopefully we helped you guys. Uh, hopefully help you guys win some titles, uh, win some money, and uh, we'll have you back next year. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.